Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. is The Athletic Hockey Show. Hey, everybody. That's my, that's my crack impression. <laughs> How we doing? This is a new episode of The Athletic Hockey Show. We are the Tuesday Boys. Hashtag Tuesday Boys Thursdays. Craig is absent this week. He is on vacation. I don't want to go too far into where he is spending this week because that's really nobody's business. He, he's an overshare when it comes to that stuff. Uh, Max, Maxie, we can talk about that. We have Max Boltman here with us in Craig's place. He's here. He's more fun to talk to. You can he's tell better, people where I am. Better friend, cooler person, uh, better at this portion of his job, certainly. And we're happy to have him. Hi, Max. Hey, Sean. How's it going? Are you in Mexico? Whoops. Whoops. Not today. I've Let actually never slip. been to Mexico. I feel like I should have been in Mexico there. by now. By 20, 27, 28, you should have been to Mexico. I, I don't think I could have handled going there in my early 20s. And then, then, then by the time I was around 30, I was like, eh. Well, that's kind of the risk, right? Like, I'm, I'm <laughs> approaching 30 here. Uh-huh. I got to get to Mexico before it becomes, ah, you know. I've said I've said this before. I think I've said it on. I had to have said this on the show at one point or another. I feel like I got old during the pandemic. Like I was up for so much more shit when I was like <laughs> thirty two or thirty three, and now I'm like, Ooh, ah, I'm just gonna go to bed. Uh, we got a good show for you, partially because Craig is not here, but it's also because Max is here, and we also talked to Danny DeKaiser, ten year vet. It seems like he's done. But man, he had some good years with the Red Wings and he's doing a lot of fun stuff. Now he's moved on to some coaching and he's doing some media stuff. Great insight on the Red Wings. Great insight on what it means to be an NHL defenseman. Uh, 
and a little bit of insight on Max Boltman's uh, rec league tendencies because <laughs> he somehow ended up playing hockey against him, which we will, which we will discuss. Uh, but before we do all that, it's the only thing we are allowed to talk about. I think at this point, the only thing that's worth talking about on any kind of, you know, daily uh, league wide look at this sort of things is the Eastern Conference wildcard race. Uh, it's April 4th. What the hell else are we going to talk about? I feel like we're still a, li- still, still a little bit too early to go all the way into um, award talk and whatever. Like we need to, we need to get all this, uh, all this ironed out. And I feel like it's just a daily, a daily kind of thing. So Max, where, where, where are you at on this? Do you, do you have a pick? What's going on when we're talking about the Penguins and the Islanders and the Panthers and also to maybe a slight lesser degree, the Sabres, what have you, what have your vibes been there over the last week or so? The vibes are it's a Mario Kart race here where <laughs> people are jumping from way out of it to, to right, oh, you know, the favorites. We got, and they, we got the savers with the red shell. <laughs> yes, Let's exactly. go. There was a point, the Panthers were in Detroit uh, like a week and a half, two weeks ago, and they had won like four or five straight and they looked good. And it was just like, okay, these mm-hmm. guys are going to surge past and they're going to be the first wild card. And then I think they lost three or four straight. That's right. I was like, oh, they're done. You know, it, they, it tanked them, whatever. And now they're surging again. The Penguins have been, you know, you know this better than anybody, like a complete and abject disaster. And oh, okay, mm-hmm. it's going to be fine seemingly every other week for the entire season. And then there's just yep. the Islanders who were just kind of, just kind of islandering along, I mean, like no yeah. Barzell, just making it, making it work, but still very vulnerable. Like at any given point, they can, they can get knocked out of this. It's, I feel like anytime we've internalized a team, as like kind of having a decent foothold here, they've done something, you know, to to blow it up. Like people were I, last yes. week, it was, you know, the Islanders are on the upswing, right? We can kind of maybe write, maybe not quite write them in pen, but they're getting close. And now they've lost two straight. Their percentage odds, according to Dom's model, are like a little bit ahead of Pittsburgh's. It's seventy to sixty eight percent, which is which is crazy. They have that. You know, they played one more game, at least one more game than. Than, than everybody else and it's like we can't we can't take them for for granted in that in that spot either and it seemed like a week ago that we could and that is what happens when none of these teams are that good like that's what it boils down to and i think people you know uh, you know what it's the nhl right so of course the bottom of the playoff picture is going to be kind of kind of mucky and kind of mediocre but i think this is a good this has been a good reminder of what it means to be a half-assed team in the NHL, right? Because you have three or four teams that are gunning it out for this, and neither of them are that good. So, of course, there's going to be some volatility over the over the course of over the the last few weeks of the season, right? Because because they're not good enough to go on runs. That's just that's it. Like they're not good enough to to take advantage of of opportunities. What needed to happen, and I guess technically could still happen, but I'm not a believer in it. What needed to happen was Buffalo needed mm-hmm. to grab this thing by the horns and just I run kinda, with it. I kind of, I kind of thought it was happening. About I did like, too. Like, like, like last week, right? It felt like it. But I just think that it, it, at this point, the, the math is not uh, not quite favorable enough. They basically have to, you know, win their next two. And, and one of these is against the Panthers, so I guess that's a massive swing. Yeah, game. it's huge. But they basically need to win their last two to be a, like a serious contender, and then they got to keep winning once they do it. So. But that that's the team that would get you excited. I mean, right? but the that's Sabres the, the Sabres are great, and, and again, they're pro- the odds are not in their favor. It seems like they're going to finish on the wrong side of this, but you never know. 
they're a great example of what it means to be, you know, even though it's, look, fans of Buffalo will take it, the future's bright, all that stuff. Right. But on ice right now, they're, they're this season, they're mediocre. And this is what it means, right? Five straight wins, four straight losses, five out of six wins, five out of six losses. Like this is this is a streaky team. And that's the difference between being somebody who can spend April making tweaks and kind of biding their time and getting healthy and one that needs to scratch and claw for every single point, you know, you know, down the stretch. All of these teams have some kind of fatal flaw. All of them. At least it, maybe maybe multiple ones. In in, yes. in certain cases, like you look, you look at the Panthers. Sam Bennett goes out of the lineup. They go in the tank. Sergey Bobrovsky gets sick. It's like what, like what happens now? Not that he's any great shakes to begin with. Pittsburgh's goaltending situation is messy. Their bottom six sucks. The Islanders, you know, for for whatever reason, God bless them being able to do this without Matt Barzell. But they rely so heavily on Sorokin that you can't quite. There's something about them that 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 that, that stops us from really. From really kind of digging in, right? And that's and that's the way it goes. And that's what this is like. It feels like every night it's a reminder where every every team going back for a week for a couple weeks, it's like, man, if they can just do thing X, they're gonna be in the driver's seat and none of them can get it done. It's been wild to watch. Yeah, no, it it really has. And I, I think I, the whole way I've kind of felt like this is gonna be Islanders and one of the other two. Yeah. And I think that's kind of still where I'm at, but I don't know. I mean it, Pittsburgh, I'm so mad that mm-hmm. I picked I picked them to go so far this year mm-hmm. because I felt like there was this vacuum in the East and you're just going to go with the tried and true to find a way to fill it. And that did happen. It just happened with Boston and not Pittsburgh. Yep. Uh, and I kind of can't get over the fact that I feel like they should find a way to do this here. Even as, even as bad as the bottom six has been, like you said, the defense has been disappointing. The, to me, it's Jari. It's just like if Jari was right – this would be no problem. I mean, they, I still don't know that they're even, they're probably still a wild card, but they would be a dangerous wild card with Jari and the way the stars are playing. And it just isn't happening. And I can't decide if I want to keep doubling down on it or yeah. if I want to spite them and say they're the one that's out then, you know? Guess what, brother? We're going to talk about this more in the third segment, honestly, because <laughs> we, yes. we have a whole nother Eastern Conference playoff picture centric uh, segment we're going to do because the comment section is broken and I can't read what anybody said. <laughs> Fun look behind the curtain. Uh, but before we do that, and again, before we get to our buddy Danny DeKaiser, uh, we need to talk about the Hobie Baker Award. Because okay. this is something that I feel like Craig and I have uh, neglected probably more than we should have over the course of the last month or, or six weeks. It's easy for us to do that, though, I will say. It's easy for us to kind of take a mulligan on talking all that in depth about NCAA hockey when you guys on the prospect show are doing such a good job of tracking and covering it. And yeah, maybe it's like framed, framed a little bit differently. It's not necessarily NCAA focused. It's a little bit more of a holistic approach there, but it's easy for me to be like, all right, I'm just going to, I'm going to learn, I'm going to learn whatever I need to learn about college hockey from, you know, from Wheeler and Pronman and, and, and Max. So here we are. It's April 4th. The finalists are out, Right. Yep. Yes, officially. And it's Adam Fantilli and Logan Cooley and Matthew Nyes. So I know superficially about a lot of these guys, maybe a yep. little bit more about Logan Cooley because he's a, he's a, he's, he's a Pittsburgh kid. Obviously it's impossible not to know about Fantilli because, you know, he's number, number two, number three prospect this year. 
And Nyes, honestly, I feel like we learned a good bit about because he's a Leafs guy. So we do have like some, you know, these aren't just these aren't ran- these aren't random dudes. These are these are guys with with high pro- like high profiles and high ceilings as prospects. But um, I want to hear from you. Like, who's who's the guy? Is it ga- and are people going to specifically are people going to galaxy brain themselves into voting for someone other than Fantilli? Because that seems like maybe that's what's happening. That's that's my question too. Because to me, it should be a slam dunk for Fantilli. And to me, like he he has been outstanding. He has, I mean, he's, he's the leading scorer in the league, but or in the in the country by like seven points, which isn't crazy. But he's also the leading goal scorer in the mm-hmm. league. He's also a complete player. Uh, sorry, Jason Poland from from Western Michigan. Actually, shout out to Western Michigan. Dana DeKaiser episode mm-hmm. is the leading goal scorer in the league. But after him, it's Fantilli. Uh, he's a complete player. Like he's tough. He plays defense. Uh, to me, he just is. It, it when I've watched him, he just looks like the best player in college hockey to me. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think the fact that you have a, a final trio that's him, Logan Cooley, and Matthew Nyes, who are all kind of elite prospects in in various, mm-hmm. you know, maybe Nyes not quite the category of the other two, but still an outstanding prospect. I think maybe that's a good thing for <laughs> yeah, and, and he gets in, and again we have the Leafs we have the Leafs elevator clause here too, where it's that's like right. we, we yeah. talk we talk that we're whether this guy is an an A prospect or a B plus or whatever. Like we've talked about this guy a significant amount over the last over the last couple months because that's how it works, right? Unfortunately, right. And, and I think there's something probably favorable about that for Fantilli when when okay that's seems to be if, if that's how the, the voting block is is going. It's not they're not going to do the Jimmy Vesey thing like what mm-hmm. happened with Kyle Connor. Um, people are going to call me a homer here for bringing up this other Michigan hockey okay. snub uh, of the I mean, past. You are, but you are you yeah, are well, homer, whatever, but. It's okay. but uh, I, I think that one was a slam dunk and I think this one is less of a slam dunk, but I still think Fantilli should, should be the guy. What interests me though, is like, you know, it, people have pointed this out. Like the, the Hobie Baker is not listed as like definitionally, uh, you know, the best player, the most this, outstanding yeah, player. Hold on a second. Hockey. Like this shit, this is why voting for awards sucks. Honestly, I agree. it's stuff like this. Just stupid, like pedantic, semantic horse shit like this where it's like you know maybe one of the conjunctions is different than it should be and people just parse over every part of these award descriptions and it's insane and it's why it's why i hate doing it so whatever proceed yeah but i mean that that's the conversation that i was having with a couple of of people uh, a couple of friends of mine from uh, earlier this week and we're we're going through these criteria and and I get it. Like you want to have a, this kind of multi-dimensional award, but when you start going through these, it gets really hard to actually, either, if you can really truly judge a lot of these things, like Godspeed, God but bless. it seems like kind of more we want to say that we, we base it on this than anything, right? Number one, strength of character on and off the ice. How many voters have met more than three of these guys for more than five minutes of the serious candidates, it's crazy. right? It's crazy. Contribution to the integrity of the team and outstanding skills in all phases of the game. That one you can see from wherever. It's right? also also it's like they're elite NCAA right. athletes. Like how 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 cool are they really gonna be? <laughs> Scholastic achievement and sportsmanship, which I think we're guessing at. Right? I don't. No, we don't have. Do we have their GPAs? Like seriously, no. are are you are you Max Boldman looking at Matthew Nyes' transcript and seeing how he did in? You know, psych, psych 101. Right. No. And finally, this one is hilarious to me. Compliance with all NCAA rules, including oh. being a full-time student <laughs> in an accredited college, you're completing 50% or more of the season. So everyone meets that criteria, right? I mean, I, I can't imagine how you wouldn't. 
Uh, I guess so. so. We're I just mean, guessing people, at the end yeah, of stuff, right? I mean, I'm not a voter, so I'm not. I guess I can't say we. And I'm, I like, as someone who does vote on some awards, I realize mm-hmm. that it's so annoying to be nitpicked over your awards ballot. It sucks. It, sucks. it, it will every, be the reason every, that I eventually give up. Every my part of it, every part of it stinks. Yes, but uh, it's uh-huh. just like <laughs> the categories on this one are now, just now driving me insane, said, yeah. right? So is I don't know. It it seems to me like, bit bi- but the finalists all being younger guys who are super productive and super yeah. high prospects. Yeah. It seems like this is going to go Fantilli's way, and even if it doesn't, like they're all great players. I'm not. That's not what I'm here to talk about. Uh, but I, 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 I don't know do about that, man. I I can sense a little bit of Logan Cooley disrespect here, and I think this is probably probably <laughs> a bias you have against Southwestern Pennsylvania. I Logan love Cooley. Logan Cooley. Logan Cooley from West Mifflin, West Mifflin, PA. Shout out Century Three Mall. There century, you go. Century Three Mall Chevrolet, Lebanon Church Road, Pittsburgh. It's for it's for, it's for the local crowd. Uh, I I I know I know you don't hate Logan Cooley, but what kind of season has he had at Minnesota? Because outstanding. I, I, yeah, I I look I, mean, I look I look at the box scores. I'll check I'll check the highlights when when I can see him. But let's 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 talk about him for a second. Yeah, I mean, and for a, for a smaller guy like the the speed factor here is huge but he's to me he's so complete right mm-hmm. and that's like what what jumps out at you when you when you've watched Logan Cooley really going back to his underage year like this is a competitive player who it, it's it's not you know 510 soft skill there, there is the soft skill but it's it's all kinds of skill and there's compete and the unbelievable pace when I've watched him this year it, he's he's dynamic and it, it's Minnesota's always kind of fun to watch games at their place because they have the big ice mm-hmm. and everything pops I think it's going to go away soon but maybe kind of an enjoy it while it lasts thing um, that sucks it, it's it's a cool little quirk it probably infuriating to play against because uh, I, I I can guarantee they know how to use it better than the, the teams that are coming in but it's <laughs> cool and, and, and Logan still Cooley, so crazy and so funny that that's even that that's even a thing as yeah, someone who I didn't know. really grow up around college hockey you know it just just wasn't just wasn't a thing in Pittsburgh back then it's still just it's still very funny to me <laughs> No, and and it, I think it's those those quirks are are going to get lost. And you know, the last thing we have that's kind of like that is baseball stadiums with different mm-hmm. dimensions, right? But it's it's a cool quirk, it really is. And and he pops on is my point. I I think guys usually look faster on the small ice because it's just you're covering way more ground. But I think he the fact that it pops on the big ice says a lot about him. You know, Minnesota is an unreal team. I think they they're probably still the favorite, even though Michigan got them in the Big Ten championship game. They're probably still the favorite to win. The national championship and, and having Nyes and having Jimmy Snuggerud uh, helps a ton with that. It, that's so, that's that's so sick, man. Like I, I'm Minnesota, we're talking about. I mean, we're talking about Nyes. We're talking about Cooley. We're talking about Jimmy Snuggerud. Like holy, Brock Faber, who oh, came back when he oh could have gone God, pro. Yeah, who is uh, yeah. Olympian Olympian Brock Faber. Yes. Okay. So this is all. They're, they're this studs. is all good. I I love this. I love this segment because I didn't have to do shit. I didn't have to say anything. <laughs> I don't need to pretend like I know anything. I can just wind you up and and let you take it away before before we move on to our interview with 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 the Kaiser. I'm not I'm not necessarily asking you to kick someone out of the top three because it certainly sounds like you think all these those three dudes are deserving. But mm. who is there? Someone you would you would put in the finalist group, and is there a strong number four? Like who is who is uh, who is at the top of the next tier here? That's a great question. I would need to think it's probably the answer is probably just whoever the best defenseman in college hockey mm-hmm. is for your, for your mileage. Right. Maybe it's Lane Hudson would probably mm-hmm. be the guy I think 
Um, and I get that, you know, we're, we're talking, but the, the production for a freshman is pretty insane. He's gotten that BU team to the Frozen Four. I think that's probably the one for me. Okay. Love it. Talking next to another pretty good defenseman, Dana Kaiser joined the show. So enjoy that. And again, we will be back after that segment with another look at the Eastern Conference uh, playoff picture. I promise it's different. Enjoy, Danny. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We are thrilled to be joined by 10-year Red Wings defenseman. I, 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 can't, bl- I can't believe you're in the, in the league that long. That makes me feel so old. Danny DeKaiser, how you doing, man? We we got a lot to t- we got a lot to talk about. Uh, the first thing I realized though is we're getting you a day before you're running you're running a, a coaching clinic. Like that seems like that's a big part of your life now, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm doing uh, doing some camps, doing some clinics with the kids and whatnot, and uh, it's been going good. I got I got some uh, some buddies here. Obviously, you know, I'm still living in the uh, Detroit area here, so hockey's um, very prevalent here in the area. So, yeah, especially youth hockey. So I got um, some buddies that have. Uh, some youth teams that they're running in the area here. So I help out with them a little bit. And then um, I do some of my own stuff as well, where um, a lot of my friends now have kids that play hockey. So uh, run some camps and kind of help them out with, with some stuff as well. We talked to a lot of guys who've recently retired there. Like we talked to Ryan Miller recently. Um, and it's just, it's always fun to me seeing how, you know, the approach is different for different guys after they're finished. Like some guys need to decompress. Some guys jump back into stuff quickly. And I think what, we, what we've seen from you and correct me if I'm wrong is, you know, you're doing the coaching thing. You're doing work with the Red Wings with some in-house media. You know, this is, you, you kept yourself busy like pretty quickly. Was that part of the plan when, whenever, whenever you decided you were finished there back in the fall? Um, I mean, not really. I just, you know, I kind of was just going to feel it out as, as things went, but, um, you know, as things move along, especially uh, that was, you know, kind of November-ish when I started doing some of that stuff. So um, in the wintertime here in Michigan, if you don't have something to do, you got to get sort of crazy pretty quick. So I realized that pretty fast and uh, that, you know, I just needed to do something to kind of stay busy and whatnot. But I do have, I got three uh, three young daughters that they, they definitely keep me busy. Oh my God. Um, you know, yeah, you're busy. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's nice to have stuff outside of the house to, to do as well. Right. You know what I mean? So is the media thing, is that an aim at all? Like, you know, I've seen you on the game day live in between periods and it seems pretty fluid from where I sit. Is that, is that a goal or is that just kind of filler to fill the time right now? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I actually, I really enjoy doing that. Um, going into it, I didn't really, they, they kind of asked, they reached out and kind of said, Hey, you know, if, if you're interested in this, we got uh, some openings this season. So, um, you know, they, they most of the schedule they had set. So I'm kind of filling in this year. But um, yeah, I actually enjoy doing that, and it's um, it's been pretty fun for me. So I, I mean, I, I don't know how far you know how far I want to take it. We'll have probably some discussions that after this season with them, and and maybe leading into next year about about you know if if there's any anything more that they want me to do, or if they want me to kind of stay in that role. But I'm I'm pretty much fine with either way. Um, but yeah, it's just nice to stay busy, do, do that stuff, kind of stay involved with the organization still a little bit, kind of be around the ranks, see a lot of familiar faces, and that kind of thing. So it's been good. How's it been? I mean, so you were Moritz Sider's real first 
kind of full-time defense partner when you guys were in the league together. And now you, you see him from a different angle and, and watching it from a different kind of, you know, different needs in, in your current job from what you had, uh, current role from what you had. What's it been like to see his transformation? What's, what's jumping out at you about, about him? Um, I mean, yeah, I, I was curious to see how he was going to play in, in his second season here. Um, because, you know, sometimes you see a lot of guys, they, they come in and, and bust through the doors their first season with a great year. And then some guys kind of fall off a cliff or some guys, their game comes down. But I mean, he's been, he's been excellent. Uh, you know, I think, um, anytime there's higher expectations for you, uh, when you're coming into a season, it, it makes things a lot different. So, you know, last year, obviously he's a high pick. There's, there's expectations still, but last year it's his first year. You know, he was, I don't know, 19 or 20 years old, whatever he was. And, um, everybody was kind of seeing what he could do. And then he had the season that he had. And then everybody expects that, you know, year after year. So that's when things can get a little bit tougher on you as a player. But, um, you know, I think he's coming to this season and he's put, he's played very well. He's, he's a great defenseman. He moves the puck well. He sees the ice well. Um, you know, he's big. He's strong. He's, his body's just going to keep developing as he gets older too, because he is so young still. So that's going to be the other thing. His physicality. Um, I think it's already, or he, he already plays a, a very physical game. He's strong in the corners and, and he's just going to keep getting stronger as, as he gets a little bit older as well. So, um, he'll just keep maturing and, uh, he'll keep playing well. He, he'll keep munching minutes and he's, he's going to be, you know, probably the ace in the hole here for the wings for, for a long time to come. You'd live this a little bit, but it, it, it's kind of always fascinated me where you come in and when you're a rookie or a second year player in your case, cause your rookie year was so short, uh, it seems like you can kind of do no wrong. Everything you do is amazing. It's a bonus. Like, Yes, amazing. This is going to be the future. And then it seems like in year two, right away, the standards that you're held to go kind of crazy. They get, and, and you come into the year, I'm guilty of this too with, with Cider. Like, it, it's like, it, oh, he's, he should be a, a candidate for the Norris by the end of the year. And it, I wonder if sometimes it gets a little crazy how quick that, that switch flips from like everything's a bonus to the way to the world kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so for sure. Um, like I said, just just having those higher expectations. Sometimes players can put too much pressure on themselves to perform. Um, sometimes, like like I said, you see that with guys in their second year after guys sign a big a, a big long contract and that kind of thing. You put sometimes you can put too much pressure on yourself. So um, as things go, you just got to kind of um, you know stay stay mentally strong, stay tough, um, kind of play to your strengths out there. And and you know when you're trying to do too much, you kind of just got to scale it back. And instead of trying to to make a breakaway pass every time and, and, and make a great play that leads to a goal. Sometimes you just got to make the, the simple plays the easy play. You know what I mean? So that's, that's sometimes, especially for young defensemen, um, a lot of young defensemen want to come in and put up a lot of points right away. You know, they want to play on the number one power play unit and, and put up a lot of points, score goals, get a lot of assists and all that kind of thing. So sometimes you can get caught up in, in that, in that type of thing too, with, with wanting to put up too many points where sometimes you just got to, first few years maybe you know bring scale your game back a little bit because you're playing especially now with with Moritz he's playing um against top line top you know one or two lines every night um whereas you know last year he was doing that for you know second half of the season as he kind of developed but you know first half of the year he's kind of a little bit more of an, in a sheltered role and stuff until he kind of gets the feel of things and then now you're coming and playing against you know Crosby's Ovechkin's McKinnon's yeah who draws all those guys and um, night in and night out in the Atlantic, it's it's the toughest division in hockey. You know? So you got to be ready every night, and and you just got to come ready to play. I think people here, like you know, t- top pair defensemen, you know, they just get, you know, you know, we know what top what like top line competition looks like, but you know, 
I don't know if people appreciate entirely like the leap that you're making from, you know, whatever sheltered, sheltered third pair of minutes or second pair of minutes and you to level up and be a dude who's playing, you know, 22 minutes a night in, in all situations against, against those guys in the Atlantic, like night in, night out that jump from, you know, in the true, like, like one, a usage seems steeper i think than people than people give it credit for right and i feel like that's part yeah. of what we've seen from from side of this year right yeah yeah I, I think that's probably the biggest thing that a lot of people um maybe maybe just the the everyday fan don't realize is that um you know you're coming into this season and you're playing against those top line guys and sometimes you're, you're gonna have off nights you're gonna have nights where you're minus three where you're struggling a little bit and it's a third game in four nights or a back-to-back that kind of thing where you just you just don't have it you know what i mean so that's um that's that's definitely i think for for a defenseman the hardest thing is when you're coming in you're getting those harder matchups um and you're playing against those top line guys yeah for for some of the goal scorers that are young goal scorers and they're coming in the league and mm-hmm. have a big season then they're playing against the top line pairing that's tough too but i think it, it it's more um noticeable for for a defenseman when you're out there and if you're not playing well against the top line guys those guys will light you up whereas if you're a goal scorer you know, you might just not be scoring, but you're not necessarily mm-hmm. going to be um, responsible for goals against and that type of thing. So I think for as a defenseman, especially young defenseman, that's probably one of the biggest aspects of, of growing your game. How about with the with the Red Wings overall this year and, and what you're seeing from them? I think the kind of the story of the year has been what kind of step are they going to take? And there was obviously that, that February uh, flourish where it seemed like, oh, are they going to make a run at this? But Overall, like, what are you seeing out of this team, and, and where what steps have they taken or, or not taken? Yeah, I mean, I, I I like a lot of the guys that they brought in um, from the off season last year. Uh, you look in net, Billy Huso has been great; he's been stellar all year. So I think um, you know, kudos to him on the year that he's had because you know it, it takes it takes great goaltending in this league. You got to have a great goalie, and um, you know the the team definitely feeds off that. Um, if, if goalies are letting in weak goals, it really deflates the team. But when they're making those big saves, timely saves, and just being solid for a whole year like he has, um, you know, it can give a boost to the whole team. So I think, you know, for the Red Wings, they're, they're going to be fine. They're going to keep, um, you know, they're going to keep drafting well. You're seeing a lot of their draft picks from the last few years starting to influx into the team now. Casper the other night, um, Edmondson, you know, he's going to get a chance to make the team next year as well. So those guys, they're, they're going to keep growing and getting better. They're all young right now. <clears throat> um, even Cider and Raymond, those guys are just, they're going to keep getting better. They'll, they'll get better every year. They'll keep growing their game. And, um, you know, you'll see more of these these younger guys like the Caspers and the Edmondsons coming in. And um, I'm sure Steve, is he's got, you know, some draft stock and, and some capital going into this year. So it'll be interesting to see if he uses that um, for picks or makes trades and, and brings in some, you know, some known players or whatnot. But um, I'm sure he knows what, what he's going to be doing there. So it'll be interesting to see this summer as, as things go on, but I think they're going to be fine. Um, you know, it, in saying that it's a, it's a tough division. So they have to, they have to be able to compete in their division if they want to make the playoffs. Um, because all these good teams, I mean, you see even Ottawa this year, they're going to be getting better Buffalo. I mean, those, those two teams probably, you know, Buffalo still got a chance to make the playoffs, but Buffalo, Ottawa, they're probably not getting in, but next year, I mean, those teams are, are going to be even better. And then you still have, Boston, Tampa, um, all these teams, Toronto that are, they're, they're not going anywhere. So, you know, it's just, it gets harder almost every year, especially the last couple of years here with the, with the emergence of the Buffalo and, and Ottawa teams as well. So they'll keep getting better. Um, you know, it's, it's just, it's a tough division. They'll have to compete in that before they get into the playoffs. Yeah. It seems like everyone was ready to say 
you know, the t- Boston's time was done coming into this year, especially how banged up they were. And they show that it actually <laughs> that, doesn't change that, in, that quick. In, incorrect. That's not, that's not the way it played it's, out. I mean, what, what they've done is it's unbelievable. Who, who thought, you know, there was, there was people saying that maybe Boston might not even make the playoffs this year. <laughs> mm-hmm. They are maybe setting the league record for wins. So it's pretty crazy. How much of them have you watched this season? Because I, I know I know it's it's in the Atlantic. They come they come through a good bit. Have you have you been able to catch catch much of uh, what they've been able to do? Really since the, since the jump there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I've watched them a decent amount. You know, uh, obviously when they play the Red Wings, and then they've they, you know they've had a lot of nationally televised games this year as well. So um, they just you know that team they're just I don't know they just seem to get it done. Those top line guys you got Pasternak, you know Bergeron, Marshan, those guys who they just seem like they're, they're not really father time. Isn't really catching up to them, at least not yet. And, um, and then, you know, they get Krejci back and their two goalies are just a great one to tandem, you know, this year, mm-hmm. they just seem to add the one, one thing about Boston is they seem to make um, those, those third and fourth line guys. They add good pieces there. You know what I mean? Even bringing in Bertuzzi for them is, it, I think he's going to be huge for them come playoff time. He's perfect for them, right? Yeah, he's, he's perfect. Yeah. He can slot in anywhere. You can, play him up and down the lineup, play him with whoever you want. And it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? So I think he's going to be a great player there. And then their back end is fine. I, I think they, they have some good defensemen back there. They bring in an Orlov, you know, at the deadline and make some, like I mentioned, they make some other moves to bring in a couple of depth pieces there in the third and fourth line. So they're going to be tough. Right? They're a tough team to beat come playoff time. Do you have any thoughts on Hampus Lindholm? He's been a guy who's gotten some Norris buzz. I feel like uh, some un- undercover and under the radar stuff. He's a guy who I feel like, you know, you'd you'd appreciate his game because there's a lot of there's a lot of subtlety there and there's a lot of uh, a, lo- a lot of stuff that kind of goes unnoticed. But I I don't know. Do you have a do you, do you have a thought on him? Yeah, I mean, you know, they got him obviously from Anaheim, and uh, sometimes you know, like he was with Anaheim there for a long time, and and obviously we've seen how they've played the last few years. They're in a rebuilding phase, so kind of sometimes when you get stuck in that rebuild, you, you know, it's sometimes it's a little bit harder to come to rank. Your motivation isn't as high when. You know, you're really not going to be a playoff team year in and year out. So sometimes it's harder to play like that. And then, you, you know, he comes, gets, gets traded to Boston, comes into a great situation there with a great team. And, um, you know, he slots in and, and a great role. He's, I mean, mm-hmm. he's a great player. He, he skates well and moves the puck. Um, he, he's, he's tall. He's long. He's lanky. He's got a long stick, defends well. I mean, he's, he's, uh, he's your prototypical, um, two way defenseman nowadays. Totally. I wanted to ask specifically about Dylan Larkin because he's a guy who you were with at the, at the start of things for for him. We've seen, you know, he's he's you know locked up long term now, but he was at an interesting point in his career where where the question was going to be: Does he stay in Detroit? Does he end up going somewhere else? Uh, what have you seen from him growth wise? I feel like over the last few years, because it does seem like there's been some questions answered about him and 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 his uh, and his place in the lineup and his place in the league. Honestly, going forward for for the next few seasons. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously he had the hat trick there the other night against Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Larks is a guy he's, he, he brings it every night. You know, he's, uh, he's been on, I think it's his like his eighth season now already. It's kind of crazy. Something like that. So he's, he's been around. Yeah. He's been around now. Time flies. He's been around for a while. And, um, he's, he's, uh, he's the engine for that team and he's going to be for a long time, you know? So he's, he's been through um, a lot of down seasons here the last, especially the last few years. And, um, you know, for him, I'm hoping that the team, um gets it gets into the playoffs and gets a chance to give him some playoff success because um he's he's just he's a good player he brings it every night he skates well um i i've you know i've seen him play for for a long time now he, he loves the game he's there every day he shows up whether it's 
you know, times you know, like this with the last you know, six games left, whatever, and they're out of the playoffs and he'll bring it every night. So he's yeah, the dude, the dude back checked in the all-star game. He's the first yeah. guy I've ever seen do that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like that's, that's, that's the Dylan Larkin experience. Right. Right. Yeah. He's, he's a great leader and he's, he's great for those young kids, you know, that are coming into the locker room now because he's, he's been through it and um, you know, he's been on the team now for so long that he's been kind of through everything. He's played with, you know, Zetterberg and, and Datsuk and those guys too. So he kind of passes some knowledge down from from those guys as well. So it's it's going to be fun to see. And I'm happy for him. He's a great guy. He's one of my buddies. And he's a great player, great guy, and great person. All right. I got a double barrel for you here. The first one is, how nice is it to not have people asking you how your back is every day? <laughs> and the second one is, how's your back? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. No, people still ask me that every day. So, no. I'm just kidding. Um, it's, it's been good, though, honestly. Like, you know, not playing every night, my back, it's felt great. So, um, I still, I still do, uh, you know, some stuff here and there every morning workout just, just to get moving and whatnot. Cause I just, I, my body feels better when I'm doing all that and getting moving and getting the, getting the joints loose and all that. But, you know, luckily back has, has been good. And, um, you know, I got no complaints there and be able to play plenty, plenty of golf this summer once it warms up here a little bit. So I'm looking forward to that. Well, that's what matters. But, but I, in all seriousness, I got you going through that recovery process, especially at that stage in your career, like had to be one of the tougher things that, that you had to have, have gone through, I, I would think, uh, getting back to, especially to play the kind of game that you were accustomed to playing. Like, what didn't people see about that process that, what was that like for you? Yeah, I mean, obviously that was tough, you know. Um, I had that, the, the back injury there and I was, I think it was 29. So I was, I was, not quite 30 yet. And, you know, I, I, I was, I was playing, had some good years there, um, playing well at the time. And, uh, you know, thought maybe I could, I could play to 36, 37 years old, like some of these guys. So that was always the goal, but, um, unfortunately it didn't work out. Um, it was just one of those things where, you know, I, I, I uh, had the disc injury and, and, and had the surgery and whatnot and didn't really quite get the, the relief that I was looking for. And, um, you know, had some nerve damage down the leg there that really, um, you know, kind of, made some of those muscles not fully activate and and uh you know it's it's one of those things where you think of like a career ending injury for a guy you think of a guy going head first into the boards you know crashing in and hurting his neck or something like that but sometimes a a, a career altering injury is is one of those things where you just don't fully recover from something and you just can't quite play at the level that you're accustomed to and i think for me that was probably the hardest thing was i i just really couldn't do I, I couldn't play how, how I was used to playing out there. So that was the biggest adjustment like that first year. And then on top of that, you know, kind of coming into the second year, I was, uh, after the surgery, I was hoping that maybe the strength kind of would, would fully come back and it, it just never really quite did. So, um, that left leg was always just a little bit weaker than the right. And it was, it was mostly noticeable, um, on the ice, which is unfortunate. And, but that's just, that's life. That's how it is. I was very lucky and, and blessed to have a great career. And, you know, I'm, I'm very happy for that. And, you know, at the same time was tough. I had to, you know, do a lot of physical therapy after games, you know, post post game after games, I was getting, you know, seven o'clock games. Sometimes I was showing up there at three thirty, four o'clock just to kind of get some need, uh, some needling done and get loose for the game. So you do that, you know, 70, 80 times a year. It's like, man, do I really want to keep doing this? You know, what's the psychological too of that where, you know, you, you come up and you make your career off of being this amazing skater who can, you know, do it all kind of, and, and then one leg just kind of isn't, isn't quite what it's supposed to be. I have to imagine it's not just a physical thing there at that point. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's funny. Cause, uh, 
you know, like my, my college days and, and first half of my, you know, NHL career, uh, skating is kind of what I made my living off of. But, but growing up in my teenage years, I was, I was a terrible skater. So it was something that I really had to work at quite a bit. And, uh, that's, I think that's part of why I was a late bloomer, you know, um, was, was probably because of my skating. And, and, uh, I was like, you know, 15, 16 years old. And, um, I was, uh, basically my, you know, my dad was like, Hey, you just, you got to work, keep working on your skating. So that was my main focus. And every day in the gym, basically I, I, I would do squats and, and all, all types of leg exercises and stay after on the ice doing some explosive power skating type stuff. And that's how I got to become the skater that I was. And then, um, you know, unfortunately, and, and especially in today's game, you know, if, if you got, you know, something that's hindering you and it just makes you a step slower, uh, sometimes you get exposed for it. So that's kind of, that's how that situation went. All right. I got, I, I wasn't sure if I was going to go here, but I am going to, uh, cause I can't pass up the opportunity. There's no chance you remember this, uh, 2019 all-star break. I showed up to Troy Sports Center with uh, someone that I was doing a feature story on. He just was like, I, I do this skate on, you know, X day at X time. I'm not going to say it because I know they still do it pretty regularly. And I walked in the locker room and you and Justin Ablocator were in there. This was my first year on the beat. And I was like, oh, I'm definitely not supposed to be here. It was the first time I had skated in five years since high school hockey. And you guys put on a clinic. I think I had a rush that I tried to slide a pass through and you swatted it like it was the most effortless thing I'd ever seen. My question is, I, I know your dad was part of that skate for a really long time. I'm sure that's the connection. How often as an NHL player, would you show up to like a community skate? And <laughs> and what does that feel like that's, to be an NHL player at a drop? That's, bu- that's bullshit. That's not fair, dude. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The old Troy Sports Center skate. That's funny. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, every, every now and then I will, because, uh, my, it's funny cause my dad still skates. So I actually, I, it's been a while since I've skated with him. I got to get out back. Um, and, and you know, some of the guys that he skates with, Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, I got to get it back out there and, and play with those guys. But every now and then, you know, I'll just, I'll shoot him a text cause I know which days they skate on and, and what time or whatever. And I'll be like, Hey, you mind if I come out and you know, no, nobody usually minds. So yeah, um, it's it's fun. Great group. Yeah, great great group of guys, and, and uh, you know it's fun to get out there and skate with my dad sometimes too, because uh, you know that's just kind of a family type of thing, and and it's it's fun to do that stuff sometimes too. You got to think of the writers who are showing up for the first time in five years. That's that's not like yeah. who cares about your family and your friends? Like think of us. Yeah. Like come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Well, I mean, I don't. Oh, I was probably. Hopefully I wasn't going too hard out there, but no, not at all. That was, that was what was, what I, mean. I think I wrote something about it after. Cause I, I thought that was the funniest thing in the world. It was like, it was like you guys were truly on like 30% and it was still just like double as good as anyone else out there. <laughs> no, that's funny. I, yeah. I, something, yeah. I'll make it out to some of those skates. I don't remember you being out there though. So that's fine. Well, you probably didn't even know me. It was my first year. We probably talked three times at that point and then we're in a cage. Right. But uh, I thought it was the funniest thing in the world. So I, but it just made me think like when that happens, when you stumble into a skate, like, do you have to fight the urge to do it? Or is, are you more trying to like, I don't want to look like a jerk and show people up kind of thing? Yeah, no, no. Well, it's, it's funny because sometimes if I'm out there, like with, with, uh, with, especially with guys, I don't know, like, I just don't want to get my teeth knocked out by someone right. you know, flipping a puck or like, you know, high sticking me or something because like, I'll, I'll block, I'll, I'll get down and try to block Ovechkin's shot all day long because like, I know he can control it and I know <laughs> yeah. the space like this big. So I'm like fairly comfortable. It might break a bone or something, but you get me out there with a beer league guy winding up, I'm getting out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had, there was one, I went to a few of those skates uh, shortly after that. And, and there was once I remember a guy had one of his like, 
implant teeth knocked out, like uh, just like in a corner and no one could find it because it's just it's white and it's on ice. And I think he just lost it to the Zamboni that day. And I don't <laughs> those things are not cheap. Like, yeah. I know. I know. I've seen that a few times. That I, I still got all my teeth somehow, so I, I don't want to lose it. That way. <laughs> that's that's no. not that's like the news breaking during this interview. How do you have all your teeth? Yeah. That's, that's unreal. Honestly, I, I don't know. I've, I've gotten lucky. I've taken a, a, a lot of high sticks and a lot of pucks, you know, around the mouth area. But luckily, somehow they're they're all intact. I, I, I think sometimes the the shorter guys they they get them knocked out a little bit easier, like especially in the corners if you get a stick or something up high. I don't know, being being maybe a little bit taller has helped me too. Just just luck, I guess. Well, now you got tall, the full the full famous. smile. You get that's how you get the cushy media gig, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess we'll see. <laughs> Danny, thanks for the time, man. We'll let you we'll let you go. I know, I know you got a lot on the plate. You got the girls. You got the you got the coaching stuff, and it is what it, the the site is dekaiserhockey dot com, right? Yeah, Where if it, yeah, people yeah, people, people can sign up if they're in the metro Detroit area. You got a lot of got a lot of programs set up, so cool. you're busy, man. Yeah. We appreciate yeah. the time. Yeah. Thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate it. And uh, thanks for having me. And maybe we'll talk to you guys again sometime. Absolutely. Sounds, Sounds good. great, Danny. Take care. Okay. Bye now. Max, I knew you had a pre-existing relationship with Danny DeKaiser because you covered, covered him for a few years. I did not realize he was a previous opponent of yours <laughs> on the ice. <laughs> I just miss like the, the best opportunity I'm ever going to have to try and get an NHL guy on my beer league team. That's that's my takeaway. You know, Thirty seconds after this interview just ended, I would have fumbled bag by me. I could have got him on the spot where like people were listening. Would have been great. Just text him. He's a he's a <laughs> he's he's a good dude. He'll very politely tell you no. no I know. Good stuff. Good stuff from Danny. Like we said, he's doing a lot of different things. Uh, not officially retired yet, but you know it seems like he is ready to, in some regard, move on to the next phase of his life. He's doing the coaching, he's doing the the media stuff, and again, if you're in Detroit, DeKaiserHockey.com, he's got spots available. Specifically, by the way, Max, he, he said that he makes a point of saying this on the site that he's the guy that runs these camps. Like this isn't yeah. this isn't a random outsourced coach that he brings on to do it. Like this is the man himself. So. Well, and I think that's actually like, that's big because you, you totally. see all these camps like when you're a kid and it's like whatever hockey camp or whatever. And then it's a three day just, camp and the, the guy on the, the guy whose name is on it, just shows up sticks their name day. on the shit and doesn't actually, yeah. he's not, he's not out there running drills and stuff, but that sounds like that's the case with Danny. So if you're in, if you're in Metro Detroit and you, you got a kid, I feel like check out that site. There's pl- plenty of opportunities. He's running stuff, you know, like we said tomorrow. So cheers to him. We appreciate the time. Hope you guys enjoyed it, and we will be right back with the only good segment on the show, which is a little bit different this week. Stay tuned. Welcome back. This is the only good segment on the show. As I said earlier, I do not have access to the comments on last week's episode with Brianna Decker, who was great. I hope you folks enjoyed that. She was a she was a blast to talk to. Max, you, you can you can you can trust me on that one. Um, I will. I don't know why that's happening though. I don't know what's going on with the comment section. I feel like they're it's trying pop- to silence your listeners. I'm just glad. I'm glad to know, Max, that you are also running into this problem. We're getting an error message when you try to bring up the comment section on our like test drive app version that we use. Because since we work there, we get work here. We get you know the beta version of of. Changes are going to roll out, whatever. It's not interesting, but it seems like you folks can leave comments and we can't actually see them. And I thought We're that it was beta maybe guys. beta, 
but yeah, yeah. But I was, I almost, I've, I almost, I almost dropped the other part of the phrase. I don't know if I can say that on the on, on the podcast. Um, but yeah, two real, two real soy boys here. Uh, I thought that maybe our bosses at the New York Times company had heard like the bit about the comment section and nipped it in the bud. Like I thought this was maybe, maybe a me specific <laughs> issue with, with the version of the app that I was seeing, but it turns out that's not the case. You also can't see them either. That's good to know. I was worried. Um, so what we're going to do until that situation gets resolved, and I'm sure it will be resolved expeditiously because God knows they take our, they take our request very, very seriously in these parts. We're just going to go through the division leaders all four of them and try to figure out which of the realistic wildcard teams would present kind of the worst, the worst matchup because, yep. you know, again, like we said in the first segment, that's where we are in the schedule. It's April 4th. Like we need, we need to really start thinking about that. Like it's fair to start thinking about matchups right now. And am I saying this because me and Dom and Shane are working on the playoff previews or <laughs> about to start working on them. And we really, really want some of these to get sewn up. Like, Yeah. Yeah, that's why that's why I'm saying I'm trying to will these matchups into existence so I can start working on them and not have a bunch to do, you know, on 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 the last uh, two days of the season or whatever. But either way, let's dive in. We'll start up top where everything starts these days with the Boston Bruins. Max, is there a team out of let's say New York? Pittsburgh, Florida, and you can throw Buffalo in there if you want to because they, even though they are four points behind everybody, they have two games in hand. So if you want to pick them, you can. Who from that pool is the worst matchup for Boston? And is it anybody? Like, are you just like kind of auto-passing them on to the second round? So here's what I'm considering here. I'm not auto-passing them on, first of all. There is the the President's Trophy curse, the challenging mm-hmm. NHL record curse. All these things have to be considered here. Which, by the but way, they need they need they need three more wins in their last five games. Uh, which they can do. They certainly certainly can. They they just flipped the switch against Pittsburgh a couple of days ago. I, th- I think I think they're in that mode. It seems like it's going to happen. So proceed. Sorry. My gut reaction is Florida is their worst matchup because mm. Florida has. The firepower like to get them. I actually think Florida's gotten them a couple times this year. If I'm not mistaken. Um, and I think it's it's just the overall fear of you're you're a president's trophy winner, but you're running into a zombie president's trophy mm-hmm. winner from last year who slept well through the season and they wake up at the right time and maybe you get playoff Bobrovsky. The only thing that, that gives me pause is with the Islanders, like you have the Sorokin thing and you can always just uh-huh. go to the they could get goalied well, but I think I'm going to go with the zombie president's trophy winner and, and the Panthers for them. That's interesting. Cause I, you know, I look at the, the Panthers, they still have, Oh, they've got elements of the team that, you know, was a wagon for the, for most of last season. It's an offensively really gifted team. Matthew Kachuk is, you know, he's a heart finalist or he certainly, certainly should be. Um, all the underlying numbers are great. Yep. You know, the mix is still just kind of funky for me. They need Anthony Declare to start to yes. n- knock off some of that rust and, and find, because, I mean, whatever, easy for us to say because we didn't just miss, you know, 70 games worth of the season or whatever it was with a with an Achilles injury. So, easier said than done. But if, I, I think so much of their, so much of their potential hinges on him. Um, 
and I just I can't. This may be this may be just bias, anti Sergey Bobrovsky bias, because I feel like I always end up being like I don't I don't know about him, but I just can't I can't sign off on it. I can't. He got sign the off. lightning. He's the guy who did the I lightning. Know. I know. It's it's like not uh, the. He's a volatile player, man, and like you know, I just. <laughs> He could he could do it himself in either in either direction, right? He could he could uh, self destruct yep. or he could drag them past them. So and also, Alex Lyon had been playing well, but it's you know unproven. Yeah, their safety net in that compo- that was at one point amazing is no longer there is it's now it is a steep drop down. If if Bobrovsky is not right, you're right, it's over. Yeah, and they're and they're Sam Bennett still isn't playing right, so so they're missing that, and that's why my pick is the Islanders because are they a dynamic offensive team? No. Like is Matt Barzell going to step back? Is is he going to come back in time to be relevant at all? Like uh, maybe, maybe not, but Sorokin's the cheat code. And I feel like that's the only way that this is going to happen for Boston against any of these lower tier Eastern conference teams, right? Like I think they're all stinky to, to varying degrees. That's what we said in, in the first, in the first segment. So if we're trying to pick somebody, we pick the goaltender. And to me, Sorokin is just like, he's the, he's the dude this year. And of course the end result here is going to be that they are going to play Boston because say like Pittsburgh gets, or Pittsburgh gets a little hot, leapfrog the Islanders or whatever happens. And of course that means Sorokin's going to, you know, have three of his, five worst games of the season and that's just going to be that but I still th- I still think you got to just cross your fingers and wait for someone to get goalied so that's 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 where I'm at I'll say this they are way more Columbus-y if we're going to draw the parallel between that lightning that mm-hmm. lightning series where they got swept the Islanders as a team are way more Columbus-y than Florida is mm-hmm. so I think that 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 would be a point in their favor but I I would say them it's it my dream scenario if you want like the firework playoff would be Florida gets Boston and the Islanders get Carolina. Mm-hmm. I think Carolina is vulnerable to everybody, but they're especially vulnerable to one of the three best goalies in the world of all 100%. the teams. Like, I think that's the one. That's the one that I. That's the pairing I want to make with where their lineup is at and where I mean, we can we can just say. I mean, it's boring to say like the Islanders are the team that that nobody wants to face because it's Sorokin. But I think there's something and we can talk about maybe how they match up against Pittsburgh or Florida in a minute here. But if you look at Carolina's lineup and what's happened yep. there, not with the injury to Pacioretty, with the injury to Svechnikov, yes, they've strung together a couple a couple wins of late, which is good for them because we we're starting to wonder, you know, do we need to start thinking about maybe not assuming that they're going to win that division? I feel like yep. they're out of the danger zone as far as that's concerned now. But man, that lineup with the injuries that they have at the top of it against Ilya Sorokin, that's like prime get goalied material right where it's like they have they have two games where it's like he he stops you know 65 of 67 or something because for as for as good as for as good as the panthers are from a process standpoint for as deep as they are all these things that they bring to the table you know sorokin is well equipped to withstand it and if you don't have those sort of you know, blue chip goal scoring guys, which they're missing two of their biggest ones. You're just prime, prime candidate to get 
to get picked off. And it's so funny because we're talking about this and I don't like the Islanders lineup as much as, as much as, as much as the other teams. And that's, that's not even a knock. That's not even meant as a, I'm not even trying to gas up the Panthers or gas up Pittsburgh. That's just, it's just the, it's just the way it is. But Sorokin, Sorokin's the cheat code in, in both of these, in both of these matchups, right? Yes. I'm looking at their forward lineup right now. And obviously the Svechnikov injury transforms a ton of this, Mm -hmm. but it is just not scary. Like uh, Ajo's awesome. Matches can score big goals. Jordan Stahl's Jordan Stahl. Like first line left wing right now is Jordan Martinuk. Second line is Stefan Nosen. Third line is Jack Drury. Fourth line is Derek Stepan. Right? Jesse Pugliarvi, who couldn't stay in yeah. Edmonton, is on the second line. He's a top six player. Like it, and that's not how they're going to do it. Like they're going to put forty shots on you and try to be you three to one with an empty totally. netter. And they didn't. They, they didn't also like me. they didn't acquire Jesse Pugliarvi to to be in this position. They loved him as a depth forward. That's why they went out and got him. And that's and that's what made it a good move. Because if you have yep. Jesse Pugliarvi as your twelfth forward, guess what? You're sitting pretty. If you have Yessi Pugliarvi playing on his second line, then uh, <laughs> talk and, to the and, talk to the Edmonton Oilers about how that goes, right? Like it's it's just it's he's overextended in in that yes. role. Nice nice of a player, nice of a player as he might be. And also, and this is something that needs to be said consistently around this time of year: the power play counts. It yep. matters. And yep. people understandably uh, over the course of, of a regular season, the focus that we put on five on five play is important. Like I'm not knocking that. It is the best possible indicator of how good a team is like capital G good a team is in all phases, but the power play still counts and it can still kill you in one way or the other And the hurricanes without Svechnikov have been brutal there. Brutal. So I don't know, man. I don't, I, I think they're, I think they're a prime candidate to get picked off by anybody, honestly, at this point, because that is a different team than the one we saw six weeks ago or eight yep. weeks ago. Yep. Yes, I agree. And and the other factor here is not only can they get goalied, I don't know that they can goalie anybody. Absolutely. I don't think they can. And and it, it, it's, you know, Frederick Anderson having a good, another good regular season, but it's just when it comes time to the playoffs, are you going to throw your faith behind him? <laughs> Shout out to producer Jeff for gently reminding us of that fact. Producer Jeff Thank speaking you, Jeff. <laughs> speaking from Mississauga, Ontario. Can't imagine why you would have strong thoughts about Freddie Anderson, but it's true. <laughs> like the dude just has he hasn't he hasn't done it, so you can't pick him to do it. That's a, that's that sounds stupid, but it's true. All right, moving west. The Western Conference or the uh, the the Central Division leading Dallas. Stars. That's who we're going to say at this point. On Tuesday morning, they have the tiebreaker over Minnesota, but also are losing out on points percentage to Colorado, who's played two less games than both the Stars and Wild. We're going to give it to Dallas for the sake of this argument. Uh, Maxie, which wildcard team should they be afraid of? And should it be? I don't know if they should be afraid of Is this just going to be Seattle? Is this serious? Is this just going to be Seattle for both teams? Well, I, I don't think they should be afraid of either of them. I'll take Winnipeg here just just because I'd rather use Seattle on the other one, to be honest. <laughs> uh-huh. And I, but like, I I don't think they need to be afraid of either. They, they are kind of the opposite, right? Like they have a couple of stars who I really trust to get them through when they need it, and they have Ottinger who I really trust to if they need to steal something, Ottinger can steal something, and Miro Heiskanen. Mm-hmm. He's he's the new answer for the guy who's like. 
isn't actually underrated anymore because everyone is constantly bringing up how underrated he is. Mm-hmm. He's a stud. I love him. I have no fear about Dallas, to be honest. I don't know if they're going to win this division. To be honest. I think Colorado might come and win this division. But yeah. I'll say Winnipeg here just on you never know what happens. Connor Hellebuck is in the other net. He's maybe the only goalie it. in the Western Conference who can scare, like steal a series been, from you. By the way, very mediocre for the last like, six yeah. weeks or so. I don't, I don't know if people are fully aware uh, and no knock on Connor Hellebuck, right? The dude has a track record. He's a, he's a great goalie. They ask him to do a ton, yep. but the results for him haven't been there over the last six weeks. Now, who's to say that if they don't get in and he snaps back into it, you know, Vesna mode, which he was in for the, for the first few chunks of the season. But yeah, I think, I think that's, I think that's who I don't, who I don't like against the stars because you have, the Rick bonus bowl, by the way, which would be yeah. interesting as hell. And you throw a goalie in there, that, eh, right? <laughs> we got to have Sod on specifically to talk about that. Sod, Sod and Marat to, to give dueling, like whatever on, on both, on both sides of, of the Rick bonus equation. That'd be interesting. But yeah, I think, um, I, and I don't know, this is, this is something I I, I just kind of thought of. <clears throat> Max, you can tell me if I'm wrong here. When you have a team that's top heavy, like Dallas, for as yeah. for as much improved as they are, maybe up and down the lineup is as they are relative to where they were early in the season. When you have a top heavy lineup, it just feels like they're more apt or more more susceptible to getting goalied by 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 a guy like Hellebuck. Like yes, you have that elite that that elite talent can be a trump card in in a lot of in a lot of instances, but you know, if it goes if it goes dry against a dude that good who is capable who at his high end is that is that capable, that just seems like it just it if it's, you can it seems find like, that one matchup, yeah. that one center that whatever hints can't solve, then yeah, then yeah, I, I do get what you're going with. There, I just you know? wish you know if if Rick Bonus knew what buttons to push, he'd be pushing them right now. But it, it is funny to yeah. imagine you know if nothing else, that dude knows how Pavelski and Hints and and Robertson work. Yeah, maybe Adam Lowry can there's just not, I, smother there's, them. But there, like he he doesn't have the dudes. He doesn't have. I don't know if he has the maybe maybe Lowry, but I don't know if he has. I don't know if he's got the matchup necessary to make make that work. So we're saying the answer is the Islanders. <laughs> yeah, so the That's Islanders. It. Yeah, <laughs> and I got to say, when it comes to Ve- when it comes to the Vegas Golden Knights, don't like them against the Islanders in the first round. <laughs> a problem too. I actually am here for the expansion bowl, though. As yeah, first let's, do series. let's do it. I think it. that's fun. Vegas, Seattle, uh, Seattle. I mean, Vegas has had to because of the injuries. They've mm-hmm. had to revert back to being a little more like the actually likable version of Vegas. <laughs> they still have the stars now, but they have to be a little, you know, more kind of gritty. And okay, they're doing it. They're they're, they're pushing through. I like this version of Vegas. I still question the goaltending, and Seattle might be the one of the deepest teams in the league. Uh, they do not. They do not have the star power, but they do have the depth, and I think that can win. It's true. We've been so focused on, you know, trying to keep. We were. I think me and Dom talked about this in power rings at some point. But like the priority for Vegas should be to just win the division, stay stay in first place there, try to avoid Edmonton if you can in the first round because you know they're no, first off who who wants to play the Oilers right now, but also Vegas right. should. Should want to play them even less. So as as long as they as long as they can avoid that, I think they'll be they'll be sitting relatively pretty. But man, 
crack in Vegas. Let's go. I'll take it. It'd be fun. It'd be really fun, especially for Seattle <laughs> because the opportunity <laughs> there, they've been compared uh, quite unfavorably to Vegas so far in their existence because of how quick Vegas won. If, if they get their first playoff series against Vegas and they knock them off, uh, that'll sell some season tickets. <laughs> That'd be fun. I'm signing up for it officially here. <laughs> Is that it? We talked all four. We're yeah, done. I think I think we picked some good We're pairings done. here, and we didn't we didn't just say the same wildcard team in each one, which I thought we might do. So, yeah, like except for the Islanders, who are, who are yes. three three of Everyone's our four picks. Don't ask picks. don't ask how that works. <laughs> Maxie, thank you as always, buddy. This is fun. Always, always, it's a great time. And again, thanks to Danny DeKaiser, who is who is uh, who who is awesome, and you know, excited to see what comes next for him. And thank you for listening to the Athletic Hockey Show. Uh, on the round table, we got Pizzo, Jesse, and Russo. They're joined by, of course, since we just talked about Vegas, Bruce Cassidy is joining those guys on the on the Wednesday round table tomorrow. And if you like YouTube, don't forget to subscribe to our show over there. It's youtube.com slash at sign, The Athletic Hockey Show. You can also get a new subscription to The Athletic for $2 a month for 12 months when you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show. That's theathletic.com. T-H-E-A-T-H-E-T-I-C dot com slash hockey show. Craig's back next week, I think. We'll see. We'll see if he wakes up and decides <laughs> decides if he, he would rather do something else. Who knows? We should be back. Hashtag Tuesday Boys 3Zs. For Max, for Daniel Kaiser, for Craig in Mexico, Happy New Year. And goodbye.